0: Good morning, we'd like to welcome you to church this morning on this Palm Sunday, please stand and
1: join us as we sing our praises to God as the children come in waving their palm branches.
0: Your great love will great love. Washing over all our sin, the people.
1: thank you for your
0: great, great, incredible, incredible love for us. We thank you that you sent your son to earth uh, to redeem us, to bring us to you, to show us how much we mean to you. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back
1: to God. Thank you.
2: Please be seated. As the children reminded us with the palm branches, crowds of people uh, worshipped Jesus as he came into Jerusalem and bowed before him. This morning as we gather on this Palm Sunday, we have the opportunity to bow before Jesus, to worship him through our prayers as well as through our singing and reading of his word. As we pray together, if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father as the people in Jerusalem thousands of years ago welcomed Jesus. Today we come and welcome Jesus. Father, we bow before you in worship, in adoration, in praise and thanksgiving. You have worked miraculously in our lives. We're here today because of your grace. We can sing these songs of adoration and worship because of what you've done for us. And this morning, we want to say thank you. And we want to declare that we do believe in you with all of our hearts, and we worship you with every part of our being. Father, as we come to this moment of prayer, we hear you telling us to bring to you every burden and concern of our hearts. Because you love to hear our prayers. And that's exactly what we do this morning. We pray for people who are grieving today. Loss comes to us in so many ways. We ask that you will comfort us in our grief. Give us hope when we may feel despair. We pray for those who are struggling with issues of, of healing. We think especially today of Beulah Avery and Jill Tyson, Vesta Mullen, Bruce Brenneman, Beverett, Micah Christensen. Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Tim Nichols, Isla Shea, Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler, and for others who are on our hearts and minds today. We believe that you are the great physician who heals every disease, and we ask for your healing grace upon each of these folks and others that we bring before you this morning. Father, we pray for our world. We're burdened by so many places in this world where people don't have adequate resources, food and water, shelter, safety. We are so privileged. We pray, Father, that through your spirit, through your church, through your children in this world, that you will help, that you will bring, help us to bring needs, necessities to people who are struggling. Father, in these places where war is the norm, we pray that you would bring peace. Where there is disease, Ebola crisis and others, we pray that you would bring your healing mercy. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in so many places of the world who face threats and persecution every single day. For them, to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior means opposition and persecution. We pray, Father, that you will give strength and courage and protection to our brothers and sisters. Help them to know of our love and our concern and our prayers. And Father, prompt us about things we might do to encourage them and help them. And we pray that their witness of faithfulness might help us be more faithful in our walk with you. Father, thank you for this week before us as we slow things down and we think about the suffering and the death of Jesus, as we think about betrayal and denial, we pray, Father, that you will help us to see the price that you are willing to pay that we might know you and be set free. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers, all of them. Thank you for doing what you know is best through your loving grace and mercy. As we continue in worship, speak into our hearts and our souls through the grace of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, and I would invite you to stand, please, for the reading of the Gospel. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? "'Couldn't you watch for one hour? "'Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. "'The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak.' "'Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. "'When he came back, he again found them sleeping "'because their eyes were heavy. "'They did not know what to say to him. "'Returning the third time, he said to them, "'Are you still sleeping and resting? "'Enough, the hour has come. "'Look,' The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Before you're seated, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. We've had a chance to look in the bulletin yet, and I probably shouldn't bring this up right now, because I don't want you to look in the bulletin right at this moment, right? But, uh, get stuck in that. But this is the beginning of Holy Week, and uh, there are some things happening. I know some of you who are students may not be around as the week progresses, but Thursday night, we have, uh, we're have hosting a Monday Thursday service, something we've done for a long time. If you've not been a part of this service, it's a very powerful time. It's, it's pretty quiet. Um, Leans more toward a solemn type service, but there's a lot of symbolism uh, with lights, and we take communion together, we strip the things out of the church, and uh, it prepares us for Easter Sunday morning. And uh, so if you're around Thursday night, seven to eight we'll have the service hereabouts. Um, and then uh, Sunday morning, 745 with a service of resurrection and celebration and baptism. If you're going to be here and you have an interest in being baptized next Sunday, let me know uh, today or the next couple of days. We'll have a class probably on Wednesday to prepare for that. And then uh, we'll have a breakfast afterwards. The youth group is sponsoring that. And uh, they see an insert in your bulletin about some stuff you might want to. You could volunteer to help. And we're helping them to fund a trip uh, to a convention later this year. And then uh, our combined worship service at 10 o'clock. So, just note those special activities, and there are other things in the bulletin as well. One of the things that I find when I think about prayer is that just in the moment when I think i 've figured out some stuff it, it all what I figured out seems like gibberish you know i i get I get a handle on on this kind of idea about prayer, and I feel like Okay, I think I, I understand that, I get that, and then I talk to somebody else or I read something in Scripture or I read something else that someone's written. I listen to something and all the, this certainty that I had becomes a little lesser. I'm finding more and more that the more I think about prayer and the more I figure out about prayer, the more mysterious prayer becomes. And I think that one of the reasons for that is because we're dealing, with, we're dealing with God. And if we think we can pin God down, if we can put God into a box and we say we've got him all figured out and everything is done, we're in trouble. But God does give us glimpses about prayer and ideas about prayer and things about prayer that, that they just keep growing. And one of the questions that I often get asked when it comes to prayer is how long do you pray about something before you stop? How, how, how long is too long? How much is too much? When do you get to the place where you're just repeating yourself? Is that a problem? Now, a lot of people have questions about that and other ways in which we pray because they, they, they remember Jesus said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount... He says in, in Matthew 6, after he talks about giving, and he talks about um, fasting, and he talks about prayer, and he says, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, because they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. And the the word babbling can also be translated vain repetitions, useless repetitions. It's, it's the idea of just just saying words because you're just saying words. We've all done that. I mean, you, you've done that where you've you've read something and you look, you, you get to the end of the page and you think, "I have no idea what I just read." Right? I was just reading dots on a page. Or you you you, know, you recite something and you have really you're not really thinking about what you're reciting. You're just reciting something that you memorized. And, and it happens to all of us. We do that. It's one of the reasons this verse is one of the reasons why people, some people. Uh, have said we shouldn't write shouldn't write out prayers and read them uh, because you're just reciting something. You're just saying words on a page. It's not really feeling from your heart. You've got to be spontaneous from your heart. And, and there's truth to that. But I remember a, a gentleman many, many years ago in another church we served who, you know, he was very emphatic about not using written prayers and everything had to be spontaneous. And what struck me is that I heard him pray often And his spontaneous prayers, and i got to tell you, they all sound exactly the same. I'm not sure he was really thinking about what he was saying. You see, the problem isn't repetition. Because we can make anything repetitious. The problem is not repetition. The problem is that Jesus is addressing here is praying prayers with one of two things that are inappropriate. Either we're just saying words and they don't really mean anything to us. We're just reciting them. They're just—they're just coming out of our mouths, but they're not. We're not really thinking about them. Or we think that the words we say, if we line them up just right—the right words in the right way at the right time to the to the, in the right circumstance—God will give us what we want. And we use our words to manipulate God. And, and the, I, someone asked me after the first service, what about chanting? And I think in some cultures, the whole idea of chanting is to get ourselves to the place where we don't think anymore. And God never tells us to be mindless. He wants us to open our minds to Him. But the whole idea of, you know, we can chant and it can be powerful for God. You know, some of the great chants of the, of the uh, monks through the ages are powerful prayers. Or we can say great prayers and not mean them at all. The problem isn't repetition. The problem is what's going on in our minds as we're saying whatever it is we're saying. Here's the interesting thing about that question of repetition. Is that Mark goes out of his way to tell us that when Jesus comes to the garden, he repeats his prayer. Mark says, you know, he leaves the disciples to, um, to go off and pray. By Jesus leaves the disciples to go off and pray by himself. And he says he goes away for a while and he prays. And when he comes back, they're sleeping. And he wakes them up and he says, keep watch so you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the body is weak. And then Mark says, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. He came back and he got the impression of returning the third time. And you get the impression that over the course of this hour or so that Jesus is praying, he's praying one prayer. Father, may this cup pass from me. Father, may this cup pass from me. Over and over and over again, he's repeating this prayer. It doesn't seem to be a problem. And if it's not a problem for Jesus, then it's surely not a problem for us. At least it doesn't have to be. I think we pray, we pray repeatedly about the same things that are important to us. If something is important to us, we keep thinking about it. We keep wrestling with it. We keep coming back to it. And that happens in our prayers. If something is important to us, we're going to pray about it. We're going to keep praying about it. And in fact... One of the signs that we maybe are feeling a little bit apathetic about the needs of other people is if we stop praying for them. The whole point of caring, one of the things of caring for people is praying for them and and being willing to stick with it over and over and over again, even if we never see any results. We pray repeatedly about things that are important to us. And yes, there are a few times in Scripture where God says to people, Stop praying about that. It's done. It's not going to change. God says that to Moses. Moses is trying to convince God to let him into the promised land because God has said to him earlier that because of an act of disobedience, Moses is not going to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And Moses is praying after 40 years in the wilderness. He says to God, can I get it? Just give me a couple of days. Like, look around. And God says to him in Deuteronomy 3, enough. Enough. Don't bring this up again. It's done. But that's the exception that proves the rule. What we see over and over again is people coming to God and praying repeatedly about the same thing because it's important to us. Someone asked me, every so often, people ask me the prayer concerns in the back of the bulletin. Some of those names have been there a long time, some for years. And people will say, when do we take them out? How long do we leave them there? Until God answers the prayer in whatever way he wants to answer it. It's an act of love on our part as a church to keep praying for these people. Even if we don't see anything happen, we pray for them because we love them. We care about them. We're compassionate toward them. And in fact, I I think one of the reasons, one of the things that happens when we keep praying for people over and over again is that God puts into our minds ways to encourage them and to support them. We keep praying for them and pretty soon we're thinking about, well, maybe I should jot them a note and encourage them, let them know I'm praying for them. Maybe I should take a meal over to them and just let them know they're cared for. Maybe I, I need to go visit them and just sit down and listen And pray for them in person. And God uses that, the repeatedness of our prayers to stir our hearts about them as well as to help their circumstance. It's a means of expressing our love for them, what's important to them. We pray repeatedly about people in the world being set free from their sins. That is a prayer that we never stop praying. Because we know that's God's will. We never stop praying for God to fill us with his spirit. We never stop praying for God to make us loving and compassionate. We never stop praying for God to give us patience. To let the fruit of the spirit come out of us. Those are prayers that we ought to pray all the time. Because they are so vitally important. To what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think it's. I think it's the disciples struggle here. They they can't see how important it is to keep, to keep praying. They come to the garden with Jesus. He says, stay here, pray, keep watch, don't stop praying, keep, and Jesus goes away, and comes back, and they're sound asleep. They aren't asleep because they have figured everything out, and they're just waiting for Jesus to figure it out. They're asleep, as Jesus says, because they don't really understand how serious the situation is. They don't understand, like Jesus does, that in the garden right there, the battle for the cross is taking place. The battle for the sins of the world is taking place in the garden. The, as we said a few weeks ago, the battle doesn't take place on the cross. That's the result the result of the battle being won. The battle takes place in the garden as Jesus is praying and he surrenders to what the Father wants for him. And that's why Jesus can stand up as Judas and the soldiers come and walk confidently away with them. And that's why the disciples scatter and run. We look at this scene and we may say, man, Jesus, come on. Where's your faith? Pray, be done, get it over with. My, just agonizing over this, over and over and over again. Look at the disciples, they're relaxed. So they are in denial about the truth. They can't get it, they don't get it. And Jesus, who does get it, keeps praying over and over again. And the disciples who don't get it, don't pray at all. You and I pray repeatedly about our struggles as a sign of two things. One, that we are helpless. And two, that God is the only answer to what we're wrestling with. We keep repeating our prayers about our struggles because... It's a way of us communicating to ourselves and to God, we need you. We need your help. I can't do this. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 11 about uh, a guy whose friend comes to visit him at midnight. and He doesn't have any bread for him. And so he goes to a neighbor who's asleep with his family. And he's pounding on the door. And Jesus says, the guy's not going to get up because he's friend. But because of, and it, most translations say his persistence. He gets up, and we tend to interpret that as he just badgers him long enough to get it. But the root of that word persistence really means helplessness. I think what Jesus is saying is that the guy who's asleep, it's because he realizes that his friend is acknowledging his utter helplessness to do anything about his problem that he comes, has compassion on him, and helps him. And you and I come to God recognizing our utter helplessness. And we keep repeating our prayers to God because we are so helpless. And because we know, we believe, we trust that God can help us. And he wants to help us and he does help us. And that the only answer to our struggle is him. What's fascinating to me is that as we, as we keep coming to God about our struggles, as we keep coming to God about things that are important to us, the whole idea of surrender keeps coming back to us as well. We keep wrestling, as Jesus does, and we talked about this last week, we keep wrestling to surrender, to relinquish our hearts, our lives to God. And what I've discovered for myself through the years of my life, and I've talked to a lot of other people about this who've had the same experience, is as I keep repeating my prayers, as I keep coming back to God over and over and over again. After a while, if I'm, if I'm really praying with my heart, my whole heart, the issues of surrender begin to break down. And my heart begins to line up with God's heart. See, often we think that prayer is primarily and only even about the things we're praying about. And it certainly is that. We're praying for God to do miraculous things and we're asking him to do that. And we pray boldly and courageously for him to do that. But while we're we're praying those prayers, maybe one of the most important things that's happening is what's going on inside of us as we pray. And every one of us has something in our lives that God is asking us to give to him. Every one of us has a struggle of surrender and relinquishment of something. And I have found that the prayer of repetition provides us with time To really work through those struggles, I mean, look at Jesus. You would think Jesus, of all people, would be able to go to the garden and pray one time. Lord, if this cup passed from me, that would be awesome. No, okay, let's go. I mean, this is Jesus. You would think that would be—he would be simple. He's the most godly, spiritual person ever. But for an hour, he agonizes with this one prayer over and over and over again. And he gets up and he goes to the disciples and he goes back to it. And he gets up and he goes back to it over and over and over again. And over the course of that time, his heart and his mind and his spirit has time to come to the place of Surrender. And we think it's unspiritual to wrestle with what God's asking of us. It's not unspiritual, it's just being human. We all wrestle with stuff. We all wrestle to surrender. That's a part of being human. And we oughtn't to be ashamed of that. We just keep praying about it. And as we pray about it, we have more and more time to keep working through it. And to come to the place where eventually we do relinquish it. We do surrender it. But the time is actually a gift from God. What worries me is not people who keep praying and wrestling to surrender. What worries me are people who, in a moment, surrender. And it's not because I'm I'm worried about them because they're not really surrendered. Because sometimes we can do that. There are times where where we, we just say yes to God. And we mean it with every part of our being. But sometimes... We say yes to God, and it's just words out of our mouths. It's just a facade. It's not really coming from deep within us. We haven't really struggled with what it means to surrender whatever it is God is asking of us. And we need to struggle. It's not just okay, it's good. So that we really know we are surrendering not just because we have to, but because we want to. I mentioned a few weeks ago how when I was a child, people would often after the end of service come to the altar and pray about something in their life. And the pastors and the people would gather around them and everyone would be praying for them. And when the prayer ended... The pastor, which usually it was my father, would say to them, have you settled that? And if they said yes, everyone would celebrate, tell us about it. And if they were hesitant, then my father would say to them, I think we need to keep praying. And I've seen it happen, those conversations take place in one setting four, five, six times. And sometimes they get up from the altar, just saying it's it's just not going to happen right now. Okay, well we'll keep praying, we'll keep praying. And what the, the term that was often used for this kind of praying is talked about praying through. In other words, you don't just pray a little bit, a little ways about the issue. You pray all the way through to the end of it, till you come out the other side. And that's hard work, and it's difficult and it's the struggle, but it's what gets us to the right end. Think about how we learn. If, if, you, if you're in a class and you're introduced to something new, you can, you can kind of skim the book and say, well, I don't quite get it, but it's close enough. And then when you get to the exam, you'll find out maybe it wasn't close enough, but you figure that out later. Or you keep reading the same thing over and over and over again. You keep working on it. You keep thinking about it. You talk to people about it. You don't let go of it until all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and you say, I got it. Oh, it make, now it makes sense. I get it. And often when you get some, something like that, there are whole lots of other things that were sort of in the background that just fall into place and make sense too. It's that idea of sticking with it until we get to the end that we're being called to. That the prayer of repetition can help us. It's not just good enough. We really want to wrestle it honestly and truthfully. Just as Jesus does here in the garden. So that we can get to the place of really, truly letting it go. And finding peace. And often we stop too soon in our prayers. Often we, we just quit way too quickly. and Ultimately, we keep at it. We keep praying. We keep repeating. We keep coming back to it. Because in the end, the goal of our praying Is not to get God to give us what we want. Even though he loves to do that. The goal of our praying. Is to deepen our relationship with God. To know him. And to be known by him. In ways that we haven't experienced before. And the prayer of repetition. Can help us know God. Because he keeps bringing us back to God. He keeps bringing us back to him over and over and over again. Sometimes I wonder if the reason God doesn't answer our prayers as quickly as we would like is because if he did, we would stop praying. And because he doesn't, we keep praying. We keep coming back to him. And in the coming back to him, we spend time with him. And as we spend time with him, we begin to understand who he is more and more. And we begin to see that he is Abba Father. And we can't get to that if all we're thinking about with prayer is that it's some checklist. Because then God just becomes a vending machine. We put in our prayers and we push the button and we expect what we want to come out but God wants relationship. He wants us to know Him as Abba Father, as the one who loves us with an everlasting love, who wants what is best for us always, who's doing what is best for us always. He wants us to understand that and come to believe that and to live in that truth, because that's life changing. That's freedom, that's joy. But it isn't going to happen if we aren't willing to invest ourselves, just like every other relationship. I mean, you can't have a solid, strong, growing relationship without regular communication. The same is true with God. Years ago, I read about a guy, probably, this probably took place 40 or 50 years ago, a guy who, just out of college, and um, was trying to get himself established in life. He, he, the only family he had was an older sister who lived on the opposite side of the country. He had gotten himself into some trouble with, financially, and he, he was needing help immediately. And so he wrote to his sister and said, Would you be able to loan me $500? And I can pay you back like maybe $50 a month over the course of the next year. And she gladly sent him a check for $500. At the end of the first month, he wrote a check for $50 to her, stuck a little note in the envelope about what was happening in his life and mailed it to her. And she wrote back, thanked him, and told him a few things. The next month came along, he wrote his check, wrote another little note about what was happening in his life, sent it to her. In the third month, same thing, wrote a check, a little note about his life, sent it to her. And this continued. And he got to the last month and he wrote his check and he thanked her for the loan. It helped him tremendously. He was doing so much better. really appreciated it and uh, sent it to her. A few days later, he he got a letter back from his sister. And inside the letter was another check for $500. And she said, I want to give you this loan with one condition, that you pay me back $50 a month and include in your check a note about what's happening in your life. Because I feel closer to you now than I ever have. In many ways, that money was just a vehicle to build their relationship. And while prayer is so much more than that, it, that is one thing prayer is. It's a vehicle to build our relationship with God, to recognize who he is and how he feels about us and what he wants for us and what he wants to do in us. I wish I could replicate this at every service, but right about this moment of the first service, uh, a little girl in the balcony started saying, dad, 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 dad. And I just thought to myself, that's it. That's what God is wanting from us, to just keep coming to him over and over and over again, saying, Father, I need you. I'm helpless. Father, I'm struggling. I, I, I keep—I need to come back to you again and again. Father, I, I feel bad that I keep wrestling with this issue and to see him say, you're doing the right thing, bringing it to me. Keep struggling. Keep wrestling. We're going to work through this. I'm here for you. I love you. You can trust me. You can rest in me. I suspect all of us have something that we brought with us today that we need to keep praying about. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a circumstance or a person that's important to you. Maybe it's something of a temptation or a struggle that you just aren't seeming to to conquer the way you want to. Maybe, Maybe it's something that God has put his finger on your life and said, I really want you to relinquish that to me and give that to me and we can do some amazing things, if you will. Maybe it's just feeling a little bit of a drift from God and and you, you, you want and you need to know him as father even more. In this moment of silence, as you think about whatever it is that you've brought with you this morning, I want to encourage you to pray once again to the father to express that prayer to him and over the course of this week to continue expressing that prayer to him but to start in this moment. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer and specifically today for the prayer of repetition. Hear our prayers today, throughout this day, tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, next month, next year. Hear our prayers and give us grace to find strength in you, your compassion, and your loving kindness and transformation through the grace of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
1: Please stand and join us as we sing together.
0: Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast made me gaze upon thee, and thy beauty fills my soul, for by thy transforming Satisfies my heart, satisfies its deepest longings, meets the prize every need, compasseth me round with blessings. Thine is love indeed, Jesus. I-